Hi, and welcome to the Let's Talk Healthy Pets podcast. I'm Dr. Karen Becker, Dr. Mercola's Chief Wellness Veterinary Consultant, and I'm excited to share with you the latest news about pet health to guide you in keeping your animal companions healthy, comfortable, and happy throughout their lives. My goal as a proactive vet is to empower pet owners to make knowledgeable decisions to extend the lifespan and well-being of their animals. If you're looking for more pet health tips, you can also subscribe to my free daily newsletter at healthypets.mercola.com. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy today's podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Becker, and today we have Michelle Allen joining us. She's been nominated as a game changer by Paula, and I am familiar with the amazing work that Michelle is doing, but for those of you listeners and readers that aren't familiar, we're so excited that she's joining us this morning to explain all that she's doing and her heart behind why she started this fantastic organization. So Michelle, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. So if you will be willing to back up and talk a little bit about the inspiration behind how and why you decided to start Monkey's House. I uh, was fostering dogs uh, for a local shelter and was asked to take a dog that wasn't laying down. Um, She wasn't eating. She was very stressed in the shelter. She was an old um, she was an old Irish um, sorry, golden retriever. Oh. Her name was Goldie and she was lovely, but emaciated and pretty wound tight. And I was just supposed to get, get her to eat and then bring her in um, to have a mass removed from her side. And then she would be adoptable and didn't matter what I did. I could not get her to eat. Um, I called the shelter and they're used to supporting people, but not, um, people that are bucking the system, so to speak. Hmm. Uh, so I took her to my vet, told my vet what was going on, um, was responsible for her bill. My vet shared my concerns of her staring into the corner, not eating anything. She sent me home with fluids um, and an appetite stimulant, um, and I could not get Goldie to eat. I, tr- I tried everything and ended up finding out who the vet was that was going to do surgery. And... <sighs> made an appointment in her office for like a routine exam and like just pretended I was a regular client until the vet came in and I burst into tears and it was a a late night appointment and this vet was so incredible I I said this isn't my dog she's a foster dog I can't get her to eat and I went through all all of my concerns and this veterinarian like I said it was the end of the day she she agreed with my other vet that this that Goldie had a brain tumor, that she was in the very end stages of her life, that surgery was the wrong move for her. Um, And she, she told me this dog was dying and she helped me leave feeling empowered. And during this journey where I was trying to be heard and using my birthday money to come up to pay bills, I realized there is nothing out there. There are no resources for dogs in shelters that have terminal diagnoses. There's there's no resources. The only option is, is euthanasia. And that doesn't sit well. That doesn't sit well with me. So we got another little dog, um, a foster dog, came with CHF. Um, his respirations were 80 when he came and joined us. I asked the shelter vet for some scripts. I said, I'll pay, I'll pay for them, but you know, I would like to take care of them a little bit. And he said, no, he's a shelter dog. Enjoy him. You may have him for a week. You may have him for three weeks. 
but just enjoy them. And so I adopted them. <laughs> we went right to the cardiologist and I didn't expect what happened next, but he rocked our world. Every single day was incredible. Having monkey in our life was an incredible blessing that has changed us, changed our lives, changed the course of our lives forever. Um, he was with us 17 months and we work every day to honor him. Yeah. And so since that initial kind of unforeseen inspiration, you discovered in yourself that you're wildly passionate about terminal homeless seniors. Yes. And you have opened your home to dozens more. 120. Really. Okay, there are dozens and dozens <laughs> and dozens more. Yes. And Michelle, as your mission and outreach grows, do you, do people call you and say there's a dog at a shelter? Do shelters call you? How how do you learn about the animals that need you? There's probably a hundred times more that need yeah. me than what I can help. Of course. Um, I'm in the volunteer pages or the rescue pages for several of the local rescues. Um, the shelter that I was speaking about initially, um, they're fantastic. They'll say they just got a dog in and she has mammary masses and they're pretty sure it's cancer. They're going to spare. What do they need to feed her? And it's fantastic. The volunteers will start cooking for the dog, um, getting rid of the carbohydrates, getting everything the dog needs to do well, to do as well as she can do in that situation. They only send me dogs now that are really truly in the end of their life. And they have done a great job of, of helping dogs that are borderline to do well and to find homes with the knowledge, of course, that they do have a pre-existing condition. Yeah. Yes. So when you think about, I, I think some people might listen to this interview and think, my gosh, that's a, that's a hard passion because it's always terminal. And yet I think that that, ch that chapter of an animal's life can be such a magical experience because oftentimes they're able to live their best life when they're allowed to thrive in an environment that maybe they haven't had the opportunity to, to be themselves before. And you've been able to see that over and over and over. You have to love so many things about the work that you're doing, but what are some of the things that come uh, easiest for you in terms of why you love what you do? Um, I would say the things that make some of the stuff come easy is that my knowledge of nutrition, of fr feeding fresh, um, of having an excellent, excellent relationship with my vet, uh, of having relationships with some specialists um, that will see our dogs. A, a lot of people, a, a lot of veterinarians don't want to see dogs um, like this, they, uh, but the ones that we, the ones that do see us are, are, are wonderful. Yeah. Um, there's and I guess the confidence that I've done it over and over and over again, if, if someone yeah. says that their dog is in kidney failure, 
you know, and it's the end. I say, well, wait, what are your labs? <laughs> and then yeah. I'll say that dog couldn't get here if you tried, you know, it's, you know, you know, we found a lot of things that have a horrible diagnosis. They should just change the name. They should just change the name. It shouldn't be heart failure. It should say heart needs extra support disease yeah. um, because yeah. that, that doesn't mean it's it. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. You bring up a very good point in humans. You hear people, I just, I just heard it a few days ago. Um, I heard a woman say, Oh, my husband's been in congestive heart failure for years. And it was clearly not, um, she had accepted it. It was not a, it wasn't a repeated trauma for her. And yet you're absolutely right. I think sometimes in veterinary medicine, when as veterinarians, we deliver that diagnosis of your animal has chronic kidney failure. That doesn't mean that they're that they're going to die that month or even that year or even the following year. It means that they have an organ that needs extra support like their heart or their liver or any other degenerative disease. I think sometimes we don't have the same, we, we accept those diagnoses in humans at a much better tolerance than we do for animals. And I think that we can oftentimes mark a death stamp for animals that doesn't need to be there. And you've probably having received this diagnosis over and over and over and over and over now, you are a veteran at receiving it and then doing what you can to keep those animals' lives excellent as they're going through the process of aging with a chronic disease. Yes, yes. And, and that's yeah. actually, we have, we have a dog right now with hemangiosarcoma. And anytime I mention it, people look away. They say, oh, they hate that. Their dog collapsed and that was it. And uh, it, th there are no warning signs for this disease until, yeah. until they have it. Um, but I've been, he's, we've, we've had six dogs that have had hemangiosarcoma. And I can say that um, I average a year uh, with these dogs. Um, then they come to us from the shelter. We can tell things aren't right. We get an ultrasound just to get a feel of where we are. And that diagnosis is made and then their spleen is removed. And, uh, with, with this dog who's been with us a little while, he, he's been complicated by, um, he has heart issues and he's deaf and blind, but has such an incredible quality of life. Mm. And uh, so I've found, I've had to stay, we're connected 24 seven, he and I now. And yeah. um, even after a day where he's had some internal bleeding, um, you know, we, he gets medications for nausea. We, you know, we do everything we can to keep them comfortable uh, in the setting. And I scratch his butt and I rub his ears. I go to listen to his heart and he needs a belly rub. Um, but what's so amazing is he'll look so sick one day. And then at one o'clock in the morning, I'll wake up to a, a paw on my throat and an ice cold nose on my face. And he's like, Hey, let's, let's have some kisses. <laughs> wake up. Yeah. Let's have kisses. Yeah. They don't waste any time. They don't. And I think that sometimes we're able as humans to to do our best personal evolution and growth in watching animals live every life to the fullest. And it's just, it is, it's quite inspiring to be gifted in the position that you're in, to be able to have that intimate relationship with them. It, it makes, it makes, it makes you become a very strong soul as well, because there is of course, a lot of perpetual grief involved in the work that you do, but the, the gifts that these animals are giving you, I can only imagine that you, um, float around a lot of the time with uh, heartfelt rewards for the uh, gratitude that you have to be able to have these relationships. You know, Michelle, do you have volunteer support? 
because it's a lot to do with a one-woman show. Talk to me about people that are there to help you. We have tremendous volunteer support. First, um, I have to say my husband, um, who's who's here at three o'clock in the morning when there's an 80-pound dog that gets dizzy. Um, And then um, we have volunteers. We call them aunts and uncles because we have to be family to do this. We have to trust each other. and, and they're fabulous. COVID has really thrown a monkey wrench in things right now. Um, normally, if I have a dog with hemangiosarcoma that has collapsed and needs to be monitored, I can call for help and they'll come and I can continue doing everything else that needs to be done. Uh, right now, things are a little tighter than that. Um, uh, we usually have volunteers that come in and they help with breakfast and dinner. So feeding fresh to these dogs, to 20, 25 dogs, um, we we freed fresh and we add a little twist of um, traditional Chinese veterinary medicine food therapy to the to help with their illnesses, and uh, that's about a two hour process twice a day. So they come, they help with the food, they help with food prep, um, they walk the dogs, they take the dogs on transport. Um, when it's time for the dogs to leave, um, if the dog is passing naturally, those that want to be here um, are here with the dogs. Um, if a vet is coming out to put the dog down, volunteers come with cupcakes that are this much cake and, and this much icing <laughs> um, or, or roast beef or, you know, just yeah. um, some carbs that might not be approved here. And uh, they, they add a tremendous amount to the love that the dogs get. And it's funny, every single volunteer has one special dog and they're all different. It's kind of, it's kind of magical the way it's worked out. And how beautiful that the, that your volunteer team really has become a family and how wonderful that the animals in your program literally have a family. They don't have one person. They have a, they have a whole tribe of people that love and support them maybe for the first time in their life. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Michelle, if you could, um, if you could tell the world one thing, or if you'd want the world to know one thing about what you're, about what you're doing, what would it be? That it doesn't matter how sick these dogs are. Um, it doesn't matter if they're matted and if they have heart failure and kidney failure and, uh, and, and troubles walking, they're not throwaway dogs. We, the dogs we pull, we pull only based on what's wrong with them. And if we think they'll be a good fit for the population that's here at the moment. And every single one of them turns out to be incredibly special. Every, I can tell you 120 exceptionally special dogs that have crossed our doors. And, you know, they're just sitting there in the shelters waiting about to be killed and and they they may be smelly and matted um they they need a bath and a vet visit and some good nutrition and you would be just amazed what comes next it's it, it the journey does end with a broken heart but the middle the middle part of it is is the most incredible most incredible time most incredible thing to watch and to live through and to live with them yeah And I'm so thankful there are people like you that are inspired to do what you do, to take an animal that in theory is at the last section of their life and give them whatever that section may be. Probably you have been in awe at what a prognosis was 
And then every day past that is this magical period of time that you get above and beyond what was expected. And it's in those days, I think, that oftentimes that magic happens where the the animal is living every moment to the fullest and you as the human and the team, the tribe, the family around you all get to participate in that amazing experience. Michelle, if people wanted to learn more about Monkey's House or support you or walk with you on your journey, maybe if they don't live in your community, but if they wanted to participate in your journey, where would they go to learn more? Um, they can go to our website, which is monkeyshouse.org, or they could follow us on Facebook, which is Monkey's House, a dog hospice and sanctuary. Um, we're, we're all over the place. It's really good. Really good. Well, I tell you, this is, um, it is humbling and inspiring me to be able to talk to people all over the world, finding their passion with animals and then doing it to their fullest ability physically, emotionally, and spiritually, they're all in. And then to see the amazing ripple effects of the benefits, of course, for the animals, but also for the entire body of humans around there, what you're creating is a whole lot of good in your area, a whole lot of good. And I tell you, it is inspiring to listen to your story and to be able to talk with you and to be able to share this really important work that you're doing. Congratulations on your Game Changer Award and what a wonderful thing that you and your husband have done. Thank you so much, Dr. Becker. I really appreciate it.